My guest today is one of my favorite musicians of all time. He's a legend in his own right, and he's one of the hardest working artists out there. I welcome to the show, Mr. Hank Three. Thank you for your time today, man. Uh, you got it. It's, uh, we're, we're doing the big countdown. We've got 24 hours before everything is loaded, and we head out for the big West Coast run. So we're doing all the odds and ends today, going through all the gear and making sure trying to remember what we might be forgetting and uh, getting ready for the big challenge of delivering the live shows. Awesome. And uh, that's October 1st, man, for these uh, albums coming out. And uh, I'll tell you what, of course, spanning different genres, uh, we're doing a country and then we're doing, uh, what, a punk uh, sort of, what, Hellbilly kind of album as well. So can you tell me about that? Yeah, Brothers of the 4x4 uh, is more of my country record. You know, there's a couple of really traditional sounding songs like Loners for Life or Deep Scars. Those are probably what I would say is deep country songs. Um, then you got a couple that's kind of more bluegrass uh, driven, like songs like Held Up or Looky Under Coming definitely has some of that, uh, just a little bit of that bluegrass feel. And then you got a couple that's not necessarily pure country, not necessarily uh, not sure what it is. It's like a spaghetti western uh, meets Pink Floyd kind of sound on I Ain't Broken Down, I'm Just Broke. Or a song like uh, Too Thickin' is a fun song. It's just a little different. Or if we want to get really old school and on the more traditional side, uh, I wrote a song called Possum in a Tree for one of my friends who's a claw hammer uh, banjo player named Leroy Troy, and that one definitely has a little bit of the, uh, uh, more of the old school sound. Beautiful. And that's something I really appreciate about you, man, is that you're so diverse, and you go from uh, one extreme to the next, but you always pay homage to where you came from and kind of where your roots are, which is country. Of course, just looking at your lineage and, and a lot of your upbringing. But, um, you know, yeah. you're, you're not scared to let all these things surface and, and just go with it. Yeah, I, I go with it, but it's always very important to me uh, during the live shows that I give my fans uh, their money's worth. You know, I take pride in trying to cheap, or keep the cheapest ticket price as we can for the longest show out there on the road. And I always, you know, start off with an hour and a half of country music uh, to two hours, depending if it's a work night or uh, or a Friday night. And then uh, we go off into the hellbilly sound and some of the punk rock sound and the doom, the attention deficit domination part of the show. And then we end the night with a little bit of the uh, three-bar ranch with the speed metal uh, with the cattle auctioneers on top of it. I love that, man. That's No one's ever done that before, obviously, and that's just that's amazing. I can't wait to hear that. Uh, yeah, it, it's fun, and it's different, you know, and uh, we have a very high-energy show that we try to bring night after night uh, for the fans out there, and I don't really go uh, 
do an official set list until I get to Three Bar Ranch. So we it kind of keeps it fresh and a little, you know, a little different. So it doesn't get stale on just playing the same. What how some bands would only play for an hour and do fifteen songs every night. So hmm. we like uh, delivering something that keeps you on your toes. Yeah, I love it. And a lot of people, this is a metal podcast, and a lot of people, you know, have probably heard Ass Jack and, you know, Arson Anthem and Superjoint, things like that, and know you through that. But they might not okay. necessarily know uh, your countryside or have, have taken an interest in country because there are a lot of metalheads out there. But for me, I'm so thankful that you are doing both because I do appreciate country. And just the attitude between country and metal, punk, everything, it just works. There's some sort of sort of shared essence and attitude among all these genres. Do you get what I'm saying? Well, absolutely. And back in, in the days, you know, on radio stations, there didn't used to be catalog or categories. They just used to play all kinds of music on the same radio station. Um, but all in all, you know, I'm a firm believer that Hank Williams was playing rock and roll before rock and roll was. And there's always been a group out there of kids that love Pantera and love Slayer, but also like Waylon Jennings and Johnny Cash and understand on what I have to bring to the table. I can't, I can't tell you how many country people I've turned on to heavier music or how many metal kids I've turned on to country music out there. And that goes out to trying things different, man. You know, old Dimebag Daryl, he would always, you know, crank up mm. Hank Jr. and David Allen Coe and, and Waylon before the shows, mm. getting into mm. it. Uh, Van Halen used to get in and playing some country music before they would go on. And uh, even bands like the Melvins uh, love Merle Haggard and all kinds. So... It, there is a camaraderie there. Uh, singing about a lot of times there's a, a loner or a depression um, or just some hard times that, uh, that share some of the, the same heartfelt attitude on it. Right. And I'm glad you brought up the Melvins because, as a matter of fact, I first uh, sort of became aware uh, that you were a, a working musician through the Crybaby. Uh, because I'm a huge Melvins fan. They're probably my favorite band of all time, really. And, uh, Absolutely, man. Oh, that was a beautiful collaboration. How did that come into being, man? Well, uh, I mean, A, I was just like everybody else, a massive fan of the Melvins. And when they would come through town, yeah. I would always uh, bring Dale a, a, a pair of gardening gloves, because back in... Uh, that time of his career he would play in gardening gloves so I got lucky enough to meet him and hang out with him and talk a little bit uh, of music with him and then the next thing I know it you know I was following him around on tour and then we got to go and open up for the Melvins for a while and uh, Buzz and I had Dale Grover play on one of my songs you know, he got to come to Nashville and be in a uh, music row studio and play drums on Cocaine Blues. And then uh, Dale and, and Buzz asked me to, you know, that's back when they were living in San Francisco, to, uh, to come up and they wanted to do a cover of a country song. So I went and stayed with them for a little while and got to see how they were for it. And 
Um, we just had fun with the band, and they have always been a massive influence on my work ethic. Uh, just being a, a hard worker, doing as much as you can, uh, trying to change things up, uh, doing things a little, a little different. Uh, I'm, I'm really interested in your recording process, especially, uh, you know, here on this show in a couple weeks, we're going to be reviewing the Ass Jack album, which is awesome. I love it. Okay. And, uh, well, well uh, do you mean the, the three, the new punk rock record? Uh, no, actually just Ass Jack. We'll be uh, talking about that. And we'll be talking about, of course, the okay. new ones as well. Just going back, you know, what, three or four years now to Ass Jack. And, uh, and this okay. is pretty much your MO, man, is that you record everything yourself you mix it all you play all the instruments i just i can't get my head around that man that's that's amazing especially for how tight your albums are so what's this process like for you well it's always uh definitely pretty intense man i mean that's for sure the way i uh, approach it um if i'm writing heavier riffs or rock songs i'm always trying to do the uh the drums uh, second. So I lay down the guitar riff first, and then I go back and lay the drums down, and I do the vocals uh, at the end, and then working on the mixing and stuff like that. And if I'm recording country, it's the opposite way around. I do uh, the vocals and guitars first, and then I build the rest of the foundation uh, around it. And it takes a long time because I have to do it all in one take. I don't really have the option to punch in and out as much. So I'm always having to, you know, getting that one tight drum track sometimes can take 150 times. Wow. Not all the time, but to get it where I personally want it locked in as tight as I can, uh, that's what I have to do. Um, but I enjoy it, man. I mean, all in all, I'm always trying to uh, be creative as, as much. Even though I just released two records, I'm already working on a couple of more thinking on down the road. So wow. it uh, helps me be a better guitar player and a better drummer and keep my chops up uh, working like that. Wow. You know, I never realized uh, how much of a great drummer you were. Um, I had always assumed, you know, just, of course, you know, hearing you sing and, and hearing your country and, and Ask Jack and everything, I just, uh, I always assumed that maybe you started off with guitar and then picked up bass and maybe some drums after that. But man, after listening yeah. to Arson Anthem and, uh, of course, Ask Jack, man, your drumming is so tight. It is so good. I'm always working on it. Sometimes, you know, sometimes it'll take me a week or two to get dialed back in. I definitely, after these last two records I just made, I was, I was getting pretty, you know, super locked in. Um, so it's, uh, you know, the very first time I was on stage, I was 10 years old uh, playing Family Tradition with Hank Jr., and, you know, I always had a drum kit around ever since I was probably seven. And I was trying to play along with Kiss or Queen uh, or April Wine, uh, sometimes the country stuff. So, uh, and the very, if we're talking about heavy metal, you know, the very first time I met Philip Anselmo was over a drum kit when I was playing drums in a band called Buzzkill. Uh, Pantera was in town making their records. 
and uh, he came out, got to see us, and uh, that, was, that was the first time I met him. And that's the same drum kit that I use on Arson Anthem or anytime I've jammed with Philip. So uh, I, I do my best to, to hang in there with it, and I'm going to be, you know, actually hitting the drum store here in an hour or two. Awesome. Well, I, you know, I just really appreciate your take uh, on music and your work ethic, man, and especially keeping hope alive for, like, what I think is like real country music, you know, I, I think it's gotten such a bad reputation uh, for most people because I don't know, it just seems so fake and mass produced anymore. All this hit country and everything going on in Nashville, man. And then I look at people like you and I'm just so thankful because you're keeping it honest, man. You're keeping it genuine. It's real. Uh, I, no doubt, man. A lot of the old timers that have watched me when I started in the early 90s. Uh, that were kind of scratching their heads and kind of unsure about what I do. You know, I, I've played on farms around town, and uh, they've watched me set up my own stage and get everything dialed in. And and they've come up to me and kind of said, you know, hats off, man. We, we appreciate how you, you've stuck to your guns and you've been true to yourself and, you know, your sound. And... Uh, you know, I, that, that's good to hear that I'm at least uh, getting a little bit of respect from uh, some of the old-timers in Nashville for being a rebel and kind of the outlaw and the underdog in what I do, man. So uh, it's, uh, it, it, it's just one of those things, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, I certainly appreciate that. I know a lot of other people do, too. A couple other things, man. I, I saw your segment on Crate Diggers, uh, which was really great. Okay. And because uh, you have a fantastic record collection there and you were showing a lot off. And I'm kind of jealous of a lot of that, especially the Misfits. And then you brought out this album and it totally just, it blew me away. You brought out that Disney Haunted House record. Right. Dude, yeah. I listened to that same record at my grandma's house when I was growing up. And she would put it on and I'd just sit there. And it was so scary for me. And I was probably like three or four years old. And uh, just to see you bring that out and talk about how you used to listen to that, too, man. That was crazy. Yeah, that was the very first. That record and my Kiss record were the very first two vinyls I ever had. So um, that and definitely got me into some, some other things. Uh, and just even at a young age, just listening to diverse music. Mm. Uh, you know, because there was off my mom and always had, you know, uh, like heart. And Elvis Presley and uh, Charlie Daniels playing. So uh, uh, just even from a very young point in life, I, w I was around a bunch of music. Not necessarily on the road, but um, just in general. You know, I wasn't like Jack Osborne where they, they, he was officially raised on a tour bus. I had a, a pretty normal uh, upbringing mm. um, if, if you looked at those years. Yeah. I know something else you talked about, you know, growing up, especially during the 80s, is uh, the whole sort of like, you know, heavy metal is satanic music and all the paranoia that went on around that. And I think I read an interview where you were talking about that. Um, and, you know, my parents were a lot in the same way. You know, they kind of shielded me from a lot of that kind of stuff because they saw it as evil and that's that's Satan and everything, which, you know, we look back now and it's kind of ridiculous. Um, but you went through that same same sort of thing, right? I mean, that was that was a crazy time. Yes, it was, uh, and 
my mom was just being concerned, but a, a lot of the Satan seminars were, were really big, and um, I, I was, you know, I had, for a little while, I was having to go to Christian schools, and they were just um, pretty hell-bent on, on making an example out of that kind of music, um, but it, 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 my parents burned my records. You couldn't walk into my house if you had a Metallica T-shirt on, and they they took it to the uh, extreme. When I say parents, my mom and my stepdad. But you know, the day I turned eighteen, she totally changed her her tune. Um, it was just one of those things. I had to deal with a, a good five or six years of of that, um, but. Now, I always kept listening. I always kept seeking out the, the heaviest stuff I could find. And um, being a drummer, you know, hearing a lot of those really intense uh, drum beats is just uh, fascinating to me. Yeah. Where I was going with that is now, you know, you're looking at uh, the imagery that you use, like on your T-shirts and you're on your albums and stuff, and even in bands like Superjoint. And it's a lot of skulls, it's a lot of pentagrams, a lot of, you know, things like that. So is that sort of a, a reaction maybe to being shielded all those years and, and, you know, having your records burned and things like that? Is that maybe a, a, a reaction that goes completely the other way, just a sort of a, a rebellion against that? Well, Superjoin is all fill-up. I, I don't really have anything to do with those uh, art covers and, and that kind of imagery. Um, most of my imagery, I always try to not necessarily, if you notice, I'm not really putting a cross or a pentagram on a lot of my stuff because I'm trying to, I sing about the light and I sing about the dark, but I always try to, to stay away on, or go back to putting something kind of different on it. If you look at the ADD record cover, it's pretty uh, complicated and has a lot of stuff on it. Um, but, uh, you know, since the masses are always out there um, clinging either to the cross or to the pentagram, to me, I'm always trying to find, you know, more of a, a different kind of logo instead of sticking with the same old, same old. So... Uh, that, that's one of those things, man. I'm always pumping the three or the Jekyll and Hyde skulls because of the country show and the rock show. I'm always trying to get the two different uh, images out there uh, in, in certain ways. Yeah, yeah. Well, I really dig the look, and I dig your imagery and, and everything sort of around you. I think it's uh, really cool, and I think it expresses you uh, really well. But, uh, yeah. And that goes back with the Melvins. You know, they've always done some kind of weird, wacky, different kind of stuff. Or Les Claypool from Primus. He's, they, mm -hmm. They've just uh, taken things in, in, in a different turn. So, especially when you see our Doom show, when we get everything kind of dark and the movie comes on and the crazy imagery that's uh, happening behind us while we're playing, uh, it gets pretty intense, man. Well, mentioning Les Claypool, um, have you worked with him? I thought I, I read something where you were collaborating with, with Les on something. Yes, he played on a song uh, off the Ghost to Ghost record. Um, so Beautiful. that was awesome to be able to you know, be a drummer and to play uh, drums on a, a track with Les Claypool. And uh, he's always been a 
hero, as a bass player, as a singer, as a songwriter. That dude is so creative, uh, it blows my mind. So he's another one right up there with Buzz for me. Man, man, is there anybody out there right now that you have your that you would have your eye on that you would want to collaborate with? Because, of course, you've done it with so many legends out there. You know, even talking about Tom Waits, you've you've done work with, and uh, just so many great people. Um, is there anybody out there that you'd is still out there that you haven't collaborated with right now that you'd really like to? Well, Dwayne Dennison from the Jesus Lizard, he's been in my band before, and uh, we're shooting around the idea that I might be. Uh, playing drums on a, a session of his, and he's been in Tomahawk with Mike Patton and stuff. So that's uh, probably the one thing that will be happening soon. You know, my, right now I'm just going to be touring as hard as I can, squeezing in as many shows before the winter uh, hits, and then uh, we'll see uh, what that project might be like. You know, I've already written a few songs and I got to play it for him and see what he thinks and no telling what kind of guitar parts uh, he might come up with but that is uh, something that's kind of on the way who knows how long it'll be Um, but uh, when the opportunity presents itself I'm always open to try to jam with other folks well beautiful well again man it would just really appreciate your hard work and just how much you're there for the fans. You're so real, so honest, and you're just doing what you love to do. And, uh, you know, first and foremost, the thing that I just keep hearing over and over again is how much you just want to deliver uh, to the fans. And uh, uh, you just want to make sure that everybody comes away from your show or listening to one of your albums just totally satisfied, totally over the top with what they've just experienced, man. We appreciate that. The deal, man. That's the old country way. You do your best for them, and you deliver 150 percent every time. And even if I have strep throat and can barely walk, I'll still get out there and put my guts on the plate and do do what I can. It might be a little raw, man, but I will always uh, deliver. And um, that's you know I've been doing it over 20 years. I think the people know that uh, I always try to keep them feel connected to what we do. Uh, as much as possible it's just i've always had that outlook on it and i always will man fantastic fantastic well man again uh, your two albums coming out here october 1st are brothers of the four by four and a fiendish threat uh we'll be looking for those and uh you're touring too you're going to be on the road here real soon um i think you're doing uh, what mainly west coast here right off the bat this is a West Coast run, and if anybody's coming out to see us, we always say there is no opening band, so try to show up early and on time because we usually play long. Most of the time we play till uh, curfew, so uh, get there on time, and we'll be rocking out and having letting everybody forget about all the problems out there for a couple of hours, oh. maybe even four. Usually we're <laughs> three and a half to four hours a night. Oh Well, that's what we need, man. We need to just forget for a while about all the insanity going on in the world and just, just have some fun, and thank you for bringing that. You got it, man. All right, well, well, Hank 3, you're a, you're a legend. I'm a huge fan, and I really appreciate this opportunity, and uh, I hope we can do this again, sir. All right, much respect. Thank you. All right, goodbye. You've been listening to Devil Horns. Join us at devilhorns.org.